Welcome to the Business Mentor Podcast. This podcast is where we share and discuss the experiences, ideas, and happenings in the world of business, featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction in your journey. Introducing your host, award-winning entrepreneur and Prince's Trust business mentor, Jay Dillon. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me once again. I was going to say I've got a guest, but he's more a friend, Richard. I've known Richard for quite a few years now. He does some work with the Princess Trust as well. Always giving back. I want to get him on because his story is fascinating. You know, what he's done over four decades now in business. We talk about the overnight successes, but really, I think a long-term business is what I look at as real, real success. So, Richard, tell us a bit about yourself and what you're doing at the moment and a bit about your company, then we'll go into your past and uh, get some real good information for the listeners. Okay, well, I'm the managing director at the moment. They've not decided to sack me yet. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing this for 38 years. My father started the business uh, in 1974. Um, Before I was born? Yeah. <laughs> I was very, very young, obviously. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and it's all going quite well. Yeah. And you've got how many branches now? We've got three branches, one in Kirkby Nashville, which is warehouse and head office. Then we've got branches at Nuttall, pretty much where we started, and in Ilkeston. Right, so you've got you've, you've branched out, and you've got an online shop, haven't you? Yeah, we've got, yeah, we have, yeah. Which is really busy. So look, Richard, you know, you've obviously built this this empire, I like to call it. Um, you've got more than one, one location. Just talk us back to how it first started, a bit about yourself. How did you get into being an entrepreneur and running a business? And uh, then we can, uh, yeah, take it from there. Well, as, as I said before, my father started the business. He'd um, previously had tyre shops. His name was Terry. The company was Tire Man Terry. Oh, wow. Okay. So he got about five tyre shops and they sold tyres and batteries. Yeah. I think he, he probably got to his 50s and wanted to back off a bit. Right. And decided to just sell batteries to the trade. Okay. So my grandmother had a double garage. He bought an old Bedford CA van. Yeah. Three-speed column change. Oh, wow. We are going back. <laughs> <laughs> and um, filled the garage up with batteries. And then just, just went around, put them into garages on a what they used to call sale and return basics. And basically it lent the batteries to the customers and went and topped the stands up once every week or once every couple of weeks. He just worked three days then. Right. And then a shop came up for sale or some premises came up for sale in Nuttall. Uh, we lived in Nuttall anyway. And I've been doing some uh, building work, working as a labourer while I was at school. Right. And uh, he says, will you help me do the shop up? So I didn't really know what I was doing, but so we bodged, we bodged this shop up, which was an old <laughs> grain store for the farm and uh, sort of plastered the walls. And they're still the same. They're still, it all stuck, <laughs> whatever reason. And um, then he said, will you come and help me work in this shop while I just get it up and run in? And, yeah. Because I only still want to work three days. And so that's what we did. And I had plans to leave. I wanted to go in the army. 
I boxed when I was younger. Are you an amateur boxer? Yeah, I don't know that I was particularly good at it, but yeah. I thought I'll go in the I'll, I'll go in the army and I can just train all day. It'll be heaven. Yeah, and that never happened. I just stayed being a battery man. Time went on. My father died when I was twenty-three. Right. Nineteen eighty-seven, I think. Okay. Yep. And um, I sort of left with it, which I don't know. People people say. Crocky, that's a lot to take on. Yeah. I don't know whether it was or not. I think you perhaps, you perhaps just adapt to it. Yeah. Um, but losing my father was a big loss. Because mm. he was my mate. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then the, 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 uh, we grew the business and the, the little shop at Nuttall, we needed to have rubber walls in it to get the stock in. Right. And uh, we rented a warehouse in Kirkby Nashfield. And, and we did that really. Kirkby Nashfield was probably about six miles away. Okay. Oh, sorry, twelve miles away. And some Exide batteries had, had done some study that said people would travel six miles to buy a car battery. Right. Which is all we sold then. We I would, yes. we, we sell all batteries now, but at that time that was the thinking. So we positioned the warehouse probably twelve miles away, so we could probably get two lots of retail business. Right. Just going back on your father, because I think that's a fascinating story. You know when he started the battery business, did he want to go into batteries or was that something he just kind of stumbled on? Was no, that well, he... at that time it was a tyre shop and what used to happen, now it's changed a little bit because tyre shops used to do tyres. That's right. And they sold batteries right. and they sold exhausts. Right. The, the model's changed a bit now because they, yeah. they now seem to have turned into garages. They do everything, yeah. I don't think anybody buys exhaust anymore, it's quite a... No. So, he'd sold tyres and he sold batteries, right. and I think he'd been looking in a trade press somewhere, and this, this company, which then was called NSA, okay. Non-Sulfating Accumulators. Sounds good. Um, were looking for agents. Right. So, they gave him some help to start, a sort of a leg up, and we'll give you a bit of stock, and we'll send a rep to help you get some business. Right. That's really where that came from. No, that's great. So when you were left with the business, obviously you'd worked with your father for how long before, obviously I know you passed away, how long did you work under him to kind of learn about the business? I suppose in some respects I was, I was working while I was at school, you know. Right, you okay. know I'd, so when I was 10, I used to go out in the van, you know, delivering yeah. batteries or sometimes I'd be filling them up with acid <laughs> or just messing about with your dad, you know, as kids yeah, do. Yeah. And he died when I was 23. So I left school at 16. Yeah. He started when I was 10. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe 13 years. Yeah, yeah, so he had a good apprenticeship, you know, because obviously my dad was from working background. To have that father that's doing business, business already, we see a lot now. So my daughters now, they're watching me. So I'm listening to your story thinking, they'll probably think I'm cool now, you know, because when you're in business, it is that friendship. You know, you create that friendship, it's a bit of fun. You know, when running a business, everything changes every single day, doesn't it? It's exciting. Yeah, well, what, yeah, it does. But going back to what you said, my father was from working class. He was, yeah. um, he was the son of a. My granddad was a shunter on the railway. Okay. So you know, he he done terrific. You know, yeah, yeah. He'd come from he come from working background too. Yeah. But we see a lot of now entrepreneurs getting their kids involved. So seeing your story. I hope one day my children will say, my dad was great, he was the best mate, and I've set them up in a way that, that you were set up. I know it's difficult 
because you had to take the reins, but you know, what a great thing to do. Well, my son's coming into the business well, now. Well, there you go, yeah, it's good. Um, so it's really nice. And I think the bond between us is probably better because we're working together. Yeah. I can shout at him more. <laughs> you get away with it. Yeah. I don't know, my daughters are about seven, they shout back now, so yeah. when they get older, they'll listen a bit more. So look, you, you took over the reins, you then started building, you start building the business, expanding it, you got some warehouses. Well, how did that come about? Because obviously you had this business, did you always have plans to expand the business or how did you teach yourself to do that? I think that when we started, I got no plans to do anything. It was just... Um, let's survive, it was a bit, it was a bit of a, a shot really. I realised that we weren't making very much money. Right. And I needed more. I needed more, I got married, I got a child and yeah. living in not very salubrious circumstances. Sure. And I took a salesman on and he was good. Yeah. And sales improved. Sales improved dramatically until we got to the point we needed to move premises and expand. Yeah. But the moving the premises is, is a big, hard, it's a difficult task. It's not easy. If you've moved house, yeah. I think moving a business is probably worse. It is, it is. Because <laughs> you've got to clear everything. You you've can't got, leave anything. You know, you've got to clear, you've got to shred it. We moved offices to shred every bit of paper because obviously it's confidential, isn't it? Yeah. Can't it wasn't as bad as that because we kept the place at Nuttall, but you know, we've gone in and we've booked and let's put the phones in and then they didn't switch the phones on. Just... I like the fact that you mentioned sales, you know, you invested in sales. I think a lot of business, and I've done a few podcasts about this, look, you've got to bring money in to expand the business. You've got to do things. I think a lot of times entrepreneurs or even people starting off, they spend a lot of time building this perfect product, but they've got no sales coming in. And without sales, the business doesn't survive. So you invested in sales and you were able then to expand the business because obviously the monies were coming in. I think that if you're not careful and you don't plan your sales, then you've got big problems. So I think one of the things I'd say is if you're going to do it, make sure you know what you're going to do. Yeah. First, make sure you've got your prices set. Look at what your competition's doing. Yeah. And then carefully target where you're going to sell, to whom and what for. It's no use going off on a scattergun approach because it'll all go dreadfully no. wrong and that's some great advice because you're right because I've recruited so many salespeople and they can pull the wool over your eyes easily and so you've got to know what you're doing you know it's no point going to a sales business and saying right okay you're great at sales can you sell this product they'll take you to the cleaner so you've got to have that structure in place know your profit margins you know that's important as well but if you get it right and get the right advice get the right mentor to probably help you if you haven't got the experience in taking salespeople on, um, it can work really well. I think a mentor is quite a good advice if you can find one. Yeah, well, the show's about mentoring, so yeah, no, <laughs> definitely. And there is ways, I've done a podcast on how you can find a mentor, but I think getting a mentor just kind of helps you. You know, I made loads of mistakes when I was starting off, but when I got a mentor, he kind of gave me the guidance. It's a bit like the, the, the star in the sky, you know, the guide you the right way. We both do that for the Prince's Trust and we've seen how that can help people. I, I think as well, from a mentoring point of view, you don't want somebody that tells you what to do. I think you're a lot better to... Guidance. Yeah, so somebody gives you other options. Yeah, so having a great parent that says, look, you can go ahead and do that, but just be wary of that, you know, just, just yeah, be wary. What if this happens? Yeah, what if this happens? And th yeah, that's why 
we're, you know, we are, we're successful at mentoring because we are, the, our characteristics are like that. You know, we're like open to anything. We'll just give our advice and let them make the decision. You might not be right all the time, you know, you just got to give your take on it. That's why I think mentoring's all about. I'm always right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you are. And, and that's the difference between a coach and a mentor. I think a mentor just gives you that guidance. I've been there before, because in the recession for me, the mentor just kind of saved my whole business because he'd been there. I was young, I didn't know anything about recessions. We're going to go on to recessions. So, um, Rich is always right, so we'll ask him about when the ne- when's the next recession coming, because uh, we're predicting it's going to happen soon, but... I'll in one. Oh, yeah, well, that's true. We're probably still in one. We're always in one, aren't we, according to the government. But look, you've been through quite a few, obviously, over the 40 years in business. You know, I've talked about overnight successes, and people say you can make a million quid in six months. But like I said, I really want to get you on because your story is over 40 years, been through those ups and downs. If you could just share some challenges with us during your business time, so anyone listening now can think, right, yeah, you know, when I come to that challenge... You know, just what Richard did, it might be worth doing the same. The biggest challenge I had was my marriage broke down. Okay. Some of the reason it broke down was was because I was spending too much time on the business. Right. Or in the business. Yeah. And not actually running it, but letting it run me. And then my marriage broke down and I started losing the will to carry on, to... That was the biggest challenge. Yeah. And there were lots of challenges that came out of that, like not having any money. Yeah. And the bank coming and saying, we don't want you to have the overdraft. And all sorts of other issues associated. The, The biggest worry for me was the cash flow. Yeah. I'm thinking... Is that because you didn't understand at the start or was it just because... You know, you didn't really put focus no, on it. No, not really. No, the, the, this is not the start. The start wasn't the issue. It's when we, when I'd gone through my divorce. Yeah. Then I'd sort of lost my mojo, perhaps, my goal, my, the way forward. Right, okay. And I think that then you start not focusing on the business. Yeah. The business suffers. Yeah. Because the business has suffered, the cash is not coming in which adds more to your problem. That's right. Because you've got no cash, you've got suppliers phoning up and saying, we want money or we're not going to supply you. Yeah. You've got your staff, you've got to pay. It all compounds. So so the whole thing turned into a bit of a nasty mess. And how did you, you know, if you could look back now and let's say somebody's going through that challenge, you know, I get DM'd quite a bit about challenges and breakups. How do you think you could probably looking back at the experiences, any advice you can give anybody to to sort of get out of that situation quicker? Because that can really take you down. That could destroy, many a business will be destroyed by that. You know, I have conversations all the time where a breakup leads to cash flow, breakup, and the business isn't, doesn't survive. So you got through that. So is there anything you can share? I ask people for help. If you ask your staff for help, yeah, then generally they'll help you. Honesty, you know. Honesty, yeah, yeah. transparent. Yeah, because as entrepreneurs, we, we, you know, with leaders, we want to be strong. But sometimes, like you said, you've got to say, look, and being honest is. is I I think that entrepreneurs, or a lot of entrepreneurs, want to keep all that they've got to themselves. So if you're not careful, you build this fence around you, where all the plans are in your head. 
you don't share them. So there's only you to push them through. Yeah. I think that if you can share that with your staff, your staff are your greatest asset. And instead of your staff saying, what do you want me to do? That if you can share it in the right way, then they'll say, why don't we do this? Yeah. Some input. Some input. Which is so right, because we do keep it inside because you don't want anything out. I remember when I sold my business, it's probably one of the hardest things you'll ever do because you're selling plates that are moving. And I kept everything inside me trying to like saying, I'll keep it inside me. When I release it, I'm going to get all this energy. And literally, I only broke down because there was so much I kept inside me trying to keep telling nobody, you know, exactly what happened. But if you share it, it's a lot easier. You know, if you just say to people, this is what I'm doing. Could you give me some guidance or help? <laughs> it, do, it does make it easier. Well, we, we have a, a saying, well, it's, it's, not, it's not ours, it's a well-used one. But the greatest waste is unused employee genius. Yeah. So if you've got somebody that's doing a job, they'll know the job better than anybody else. Yeah. So if they can make it better, then you should ask them. That's right. So we, we, don't like, we don't like it when somebody says, I say, why are you doing that that way? Yeah. Because we've always done it that way. That's right. And I think, it's, I think if it's Google or Facebook, they actually let their employees go off for a day. Just a thinking day. They can come up with ideas and they've come up with some great ideas. So I think trusting in your employees is a big thing. I learned that the hard way. Dictatorship doesn't work. It's like you do this. But if you're open to them and they're one of the team or one of your business, it helps getting that sort of loyalty as well with them. You know, they'll always be there for you if you need them. Yeah, it is. It's a lot better. So that's a great, great bit of advice there. You know, if you're going through tough times, ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask. It doesn't mean you've you know, be defeated or you think that you're you know, any weaker, just ask. You're probably um, stronger. Yeah, it makes you stronger, you know, and more approachable. You know, people want to do more business with you when, you when you're open. Anything else you can share along your way? I know you've got loads of challenges with, ca- with cash flow. That's a big thing in business because cash flow makes and breaks the business. What did you do around that situation when the bank said, look, you can't have this money? Did you... Go out then, again, did you ask for help and people helped you out? How did you get in that situation? It was the time when um, there was a recession, the banking crisis. 2008 or something. Yeah, the most recent one, yeah, 2008, that's right. Um, Financial crash. And they they came and said, you can't can't have the overdraft as it is, we're going to half it. Right. And we used invoice discounting. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. But we found another way around it. The bank weren't really the villains that everybody portrays them. I think that the bank, well, I'm not the biggest favor, but yeah. know, fan of banks, but I think they can't do right for being wrong. When they no. lent everybody money, they lent too much. That's right. And when they don't want to lend it you, they don't. They don't do enough to help. Yeah. So I, they helped us. Uh, we found a way around it, although it's an expensive, it's more an expensive route. It is. And I know the recession because 2008 was three years into my business and the banks do turn on you. You know, where you can pick up the phone and say, look, can I borrow this or that money? They'll say no. And you think, what's going on? Because the bank's all tightened up. And luckily, we had some cash in the business to make us survive. And I do talk about this. You know, the recession will come or a tough time will come, whether it's a recession or not. Just be prepared, you know. Don't um, live day by day because eventually if something does happen, You've got to have a backup plan. Yeah, you need some reserves. 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, just prepare for it. You know, if it doesn't happen, great. You know, it's a bit like insurance, right? You pay for the premium. If nothing happens to you, obviously it's a, it's a waste of money. If it does, it's there, isn't it? It's going to help you. Yeah, it does. Good stuff. So challenges wise, with regards to like technology, you know, you've seen it change throughout the, you know, the years. You've probably gone from mail dropping, radio. How is social media now impacting your business? And how did you find the challenge of the change? from traditional marketing? We, we, as a business, never really did much marketing. Okay. We did uh, radio advertising in the 90s. Yeah. Which then was really, really expensive. Right. I think it's probably cheaper now than more radio stations there are, I don't know. Not with podcasts, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and I think the social media is, is a challenge and it's, I think, probably finding your niche I don't know that we're that good at it, mm-hmm. but maybe because we're in a niche market. We, we used to sell batteries just for cars. Right, yep. I saw things changing and I changed the model of the business. So we sold batteries for nearly everything. A lot of the people that only sold car batteries have gone out of business or closed the doors. That was, that was a great, that's a big decision. You know, if you didn't change at that particular time, you probably would have gone the same way. I think the um, the flexibility is necessary, yeah. And you've got to change quick. I don't know. I don't know. For some big companies, it must be really, really difficult. What was that CD? Because it was an audio CD I bought. Actually, I forgot what it's called now. It's about changing. Um, forgot the name now. Where they talked about Uber and talked about Airbnb. How. It's exponential... Exponential organisation. That's the one. I couldn't say the word, but yeah. That was the one. That was all talking about the change, how you can change and change quickly. It could easily put somebody out of business. You know, if if you're not... And and legislation, you can't account for. No. You talk about the fuel cells. You you know that they're talking about fuel cells now. Yeah, yeah. Fuel cells to run cars. That was invented in 1830 or somewhere... Yeah. A long time ago, some guys have built a factory to build these fuel cells. Right, okay. And Daimler Benz invented the internal combustion engine in 1890. And of course, the fuel cell factory went bust. Yeah. But he could have never seen that coming. No, I don't, I, you know, it's. Uh, well, the, the, the example about the car. So one guy bought 100 horses. He didn't know the car was coming around the corner. You can't really anticipate it no. in some industry, but you've got to be flexible for change. Some people just keep on the same path. You've probably seen that more than me. They're just so stubborn, they won't change. Change is difficult. People don't like to change. That's right. If you, if you notice, if you've gone and sat at a table in a room, yeah. the next time you go in, you want to sit in the same place. And if somebody sits in what is deemed to be your place, then you get upset by it. That's right. But really, you probably should embrace it because you might go and sit next to your future wife. That's right. I was was listening to a talk by Grant Cardone, who I follow, and he talks about strangers, how children are told don't talk to strangers. But every single person you meet is a stranger, like your wife was a stranger. You as a stranger to me. And if you're not adaptable or want to speak to somebody else, you can't do anything. Even your customer is a stranger. Yeah. So we've got to change that mindset. Like maybe that's because it's embedded, or, you know, we're in our comfort zone here. We're with our family, you know, everything's fine. Don't go and talk to him because he might be 
it might not be nice, you know. So, yeah, you're right, you know, just being changed is, is a good thing. Maybe what you should say to your children is don't trust anybody. Yeah, that's probably, <laughs> that's probably right. <laughs> be friendly, but don't trust them, especially with your money. <laughs> Sell to them, but don't be sold. But yeah, no, um, yeah, I think tech's a big thing. I think tech, um, every business is trying to adapt to it. Um, everyone's trying things, but if you get it right, the potential is there. You know, we've seen the rewards with some companies that are doing really well on, on the social media. But again, it's finding your niche, you know. There's Facebook and there's always um, different platforms, but you've got to make sure customers are looking there. That's the important thing. Yeah, so to people that want to buy. Exactly. If you get that right, it's dead easy, isn't it? Cool. So look, we, we've covered the tech. So look, you, you've had a long story, you know, 40 years in business. What do you think about the overnight success? Even someone says, oh, you know, they, they come on these channels and say, yeah, you can make... Yeah, we did a challenge actually with the dental stuff. It can be done, but sustainable success is a long-term business. But what do you think about these people teaching these, you know, you can do it within 24 hours, that kind of thing, you know, being in business for so long? It's great if you can do it. I would guess that more people fail with a fast millionaire thing. Yeah. Unless you can get something new. You know, if you could probably find something new and innovative... Like, for example, Airbnb, yeah. where they've actually got no expense. All they're mm. doing is renting somebody else's house out. So from that point of view, it's quite sustainable. I think, you know, in the, I don't know, in the 90s or late 90s, it was mobile phones and everybody was selling mobile phones and yeah. there was big money to be made quickly. But it was a short-lived it's a moving part, you know, things are changing so quickly, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, and the same with, with um, if you think about the videos. Yeah. People doing rented videos, and Blockbuster became a massive company. Now they've gone. Netflix took you know, them over, more or less, you know, overnight, because it's on, on demand. That's right, and I think that, um, somebody told me that um, Blockbuster tried to buy Netflix before, or the other way around. I probably they did. Yeah. I think someone sold the idea and they laughed at it. They said people always want to. Yeah. Hang on, people always want to drive up here, spend an hour trying to find. You remember you used to try and find a video. Oh, terrible. God, you look everywhere and then you pick up the one and you think, oh, well, you watch it and you think, oh, I've got to got to go and return it. And I, I'd always get late finds. I'd always be late with it. <laughs> God, it's like a library book. So, blockbuster weren't quick enough on the feet. Yeah. You've got to be ready to, like you say, embrace technology, try it. Yeah. Dip your toe in, see if it works, and if it does, build on it. Test and measure. Test know? and measure, yeah. That's the best thing to do. And also, with, with Netflix and Airbnb, if you look at the stories, the owners, they'll be trying it for a while, you know. They're probably not hit gold, just, you know, they're not coming up with the idea on Saturday and on Monday, it's, uh, it's a blockbuster. Excuse the pun on that, but, you know, they, they've literally spent probably years developing the idea, and it takes time. Well, it makes you wonder how many, how many fail in comparison to those that win. Yeah. The people that do it tend to be quite clever people as well, don't they? They do. You know, you've got Bill Gates that already worked for Microsoft. Yeah. Uh, not Microsoft, he worked for IBM, didn't he? Then he moved, yeah, then he moved over, yeah. That, that, he got, um, he was the Facebook guy. Zuckerberg. He, Zuckerberg, he was, at, he was at Harvard. So whiz kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're incredibly bright, probably helps. Yeah, and if you study them, they've always had good guidance. You yeah. know, to go to Harvard, you would have had a good guidance from your father or whatever. You know what I mean? Funding-wise, 
And that's why it's important to get the guidance. If you've got an idea and you think it's great, go and talk to someone or get a mentor which you can bounce the idea around because your chance of success are going to be a lot higher with someone who's been there, done it, than you just going off tangent, trying to do all these little things that don't work. And then also you're demotivated. If they keep failing all the time, it does demotivate you. Makes a massive difference. Yeah, good stuff. So with, with your business now, what are the plans for the business at the moment? Well, I know, I know you've gone online and stuff, you know, recently. We're, we're, we're trying to embrace technology. Yeah. We're, um, we're rebuilding batteries for e-bikes. Mm -hmm. So the e-bike the e okay. market is massive. Right. Um, more abroad. Oh, we just done a cycling holiday, me and the wife. In I saw that on Facebook. No. Re really good, really good. 950 miles down the Rhine we wow. did. But, um, That's amazing. When you look at Germany and Holland, the e-bike market is probably three years in advance of the UK. Yeah. And the amount of batteries is, is massive. So we've, we've, we've sort of got a niche where we um, get an old e-bike battery, yeah. strip it, replace the insides, and basically uh, you've got a new battery again. Right. Sometimes we increase the power of it and it's recycled. Wow. We're also re rebuilding uh, cordless drill batteries. Well, we, we, we're starting to make a lot of packs because this is a wireless world. Yeah, it is. Nobody yeah. wants to plug it in anymore. No, you're or, right. So we're doing some uh, original equipment where people are saying, can you build me a portable power supply? Yeah. We're also looking at the recycling of that type of thing because at the minute there's there's not many places for lithium to go what happens to the batteries because i know just for for myself personally so um, my, my little my daughter's collecting for school about recycling so what happens to them batteries at the moment if if, if they you know it depends on the the chemistry if you look at your car battery yeah or normally burglar alarm lead acid yes they're pretty much 100 percent recyclable okay and there's a worth to it yeah the lithium and NICADs, nickel cadmiums, nickel metal hydride, and alkaline, your household dual cell type batteries. Yeah. It costs to recycle. What does it? Okay. So the, the lithium ones, which is all the buzz at the minute, everybody wants lithium. Yeah. Pretty much all end up in Belgium. Okay. Then they, they what they call pyrolyze them, so set them on fire. All right. And I think they capture the heat, because if you, if you punch you on, they, cap, they burn at 700 degrees, lithium does. Right, okay. So, so they capture the heat, and then they go through sort of the ash and pull any, anything out that they can. So there's probably 50, lithium batteries, there's probably 50 or 60 different chemistries. So you can't just say it's one or the other. Yeah. So, they, so they'll pull out, a lot of them have got... Um, Cadmium in them. Okay. All sorts of things. So, so it's a good trick because the way you've adapted that business, originally you started with the car batteries, then you've moved into expanding into all different types of batteries, and now the electric batteries come. So there's always opportunities during, you know. There is, yeah. As long as you're adaptable, always looking for opportunities, looking for change, you know, you're open to that. And now you've gone into a market. It's that market, I can just see that growing. It's the other day I was leaving my podcast because we have to plug this in. I was thinking, right, what do I need? I need, I need a portable battery. 
So I bought one. Um, not from your shop. I don't think you do them. <laughs> we do batteries for everything. Oh, How you? dare you? <laughs> so Amazon Prime. You've got to go to Amazon Prime. So I'm just, just talking about everybody wants everything portable. Yes. You no know, one wants to plug it in no more. No. You know, even the, the iPhone now, they're trying to do um, a wireless charging now. They do it. They do it. Oh, they do they it. Yeah. do it. So that's the way it's going. So that market's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And a few years ago, well, five years, you would have thought the battery market's going to just go away. But then it comes back and reinvented. It is, yeah. I think, I think the, ad, the advent of lithium's made a massive difference because it's a lot more power packed. Yeah. There's a lot more power in a smaller space. Lighter, smaller. Well, watch more, exp- more expensive. More expensive. More money, hopefully. Well, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> so, look, look we've, we've covered so much, Richard, and you've given some great insights into your journey, where it all started, expansion plans. Look, this whole podcast is about mentoring. So what does the mentor mean to you? I think a mentor should be somebody to bounce ideas off, somebody that can give you an alternative view that yeah. can open your mind to other avenues I like that and you mentioned something which you know I want to touch on you mentioned a mentor shouldn't be telling you what to do and I think that's I think that's the right way of looking at it. so if you're looking to get to a mentor you know it's not a how-to guide it's more a case of you go with something they'll probably give their take on it and then you make a decision maybe with their advice or with your own advice just get that different take on it yeah I agree with that yeah good stuff and I'd like to ask you now to shout at any mentors you've used in your, you know, in your life, anybody, that could be anybody, you know, just to give a shout out to them and is anyone that you want to give a shout out who's mentored you and helped you in your journey? I think my father was um, my best mentor. What was his name? Terry. Terry, Terry. Terry Fuller. Then there's been a lot of people, we've known each other a long time, yeah. we, we used to go to the alternative board with Julian. That's right. So that sort of thing, you've got, you've got a group of people sit around a table yeah. or listen to each other's problems and woes and give each other advice. Yeah. But you can just talk to people. You don't, actually, you don't always have, a, have to have a mentor. Yeah. I was talking to Nick Linney of Linney Print and we had a chat for an hour and a bit of lunch and just talked about business and what we were doing and what they were doing. And, it, and you gain ideas from maybe from talking to each other. Yeah. That's a great shout. Great shout. It's a great shout out. You know, it's an honour, you know, to even be talking about the the way your father's helped you. And I think that's a great story. You know, the fact that he built the business, you were there. And I want to get these more stories out there. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just the way, and now your son's going to business, which is another great thing. It is. I'm I'm really pleased he's he's decided to uh, to do it. We'll revisit this in a couple of years' time, but, you know, at the moment, it's all positive. Well, hopefully, he'll be sitting there. Yeah, no, that'd be good. Look, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to come out and see me and uh, share this story with my listeners. I'm sure they'll get, get some great value. If they want to follow you or find you or know more about you, is there anywhere particular on social media that they can reach out to you? I'm on uh, Richard Fuller Battery on LinkedIn. Okay. I'm on... Twitter is full of battery. Yeah. And I'm on Facebook as Richard Fuller, I think. Richard Fuller. So look, guys, connect with Richard. 
Um, if you've got any questions, you can come direct to me. Email me at j at businessmentorpodcast.com. I will forward the question on to Richard or reach out to himself. I hope you got some great value. Until the next time, have a great day. I look forward to having you again on the show. Bye.